0: You know when the clock strikes 12, that Midnight Mania Sports, hosted by Austin Okuda and George Hathaway, starts right now.
1: Hello and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 23 here of Midnight Mania Sports. Austin Okuda with George Hathaway. Once again, George, a busy weekend in sports. We had the Mm -hmm. NFL wildcard weekend. We had the uh, college football national championship that just happened. In some big NBA news with some COVID outbreaks to go over, George. But let's start with last night's uh, national championship in college football. We had Alabama versus Ohio State in a game that was close at the beginning, but Alabama Mm -hmm. ran away with it like many expected.
0: Yeah, it was really a fun game to watch, at least in the first quarter, I thought, because both teams were going back and forth, uh, scoring touchdowns on all their drives. And one like cool fact that I really found, um, about throughout this game was that when Alabama scored on their opening drive, they've won 40 straight games. So from that point on, that's when I knew that that game was going to be over. Um, Smith is an absolute stud. Unfortunately though, he did like hurt his hand. It looked like, uh, in the game and that's huge. Uh, for his uh, report now and for drafting uh, team's going to look at that and say, well, he's not healthy right now. Uh, they're probably going to pass on him at least in the first round, at least. And uh, same with Waddle as well. Uh, we talked about this on our last show, Austin, that Waddle was projected to go through CBS in their mock draft to the Patriots uh, as a wide receiver. And he got, and he was hurt and he was questionable for the game. And he went into the game and got injured again with that ankle injury. And now that wasn't the best choice for him or for Alabama to do that because it's a national championship game. Yeah, I get it. You want to play. But at the same time, you're going to be a top 20 pick in the NFL draft. No need to risk anything. So I thought that was pretty disappointing for me.
1: Yeah, Waddle will probably fall now, even past the the Patriots pick potentially. Um, I saw a mock draft for him going as low as 23. Um, but for Devontae Smith, he's a guy who proved all season long that he should be an NFL-ready receiver. So the injury I don't think is too concerning because it's a hand mm-hmm. injury, something that can you know heal over time. So he should still be a top-five pick. It depends how GMs kind of see the receiver position. Um, some guys view it as something you can find late in drafts, as we've seen with Antonio Brown. Um, we've seen other guys go late, like DK Metcalf in the second round, AJ Brown in the second round showing that you can find a stud late in draft still. Um, but there are teams who will take a draft pick high, uh, for hopes they turn out like Julio Jones or Odell Beckham guys taken in the top five. But overall that game was a, you know, it was entertaining, which is what the college football championship is a lot of times. A final score of 52, 24 with Alabama putting up the 52 and then another guy, Mac Jones, with five mm-hmm. touchdowns in that game, 464 passing yards. I'll ask you, George, do you think Mac Jones will be an NFL quarterback who has a long career? You know, a, a good a good NFL quarterback, I guess.
0: He'd definitely start for a few teams. Uh, he wouldn't be in that top tier of like elite quarterbacks uh throughout the NFL season, I believe, but he will be really good. I think he's better than a few out there in the NFL right now, certainly better than Carson Wentz. So I believe at least. He can get a starting position on one of the 32 teams in the NFL. I mean, granted, I mean, I'd mean, i be happy if the Patriots got him. He's a great quarterback. He can throw the deep ball, and he can run as well. And if the Patriots do get him, they just need the receivers around him to help out uh, Jones a little bit here and there. But I, I do believe that uh, Mac Jones, he's going to be a great quarterback in the NFL as long as he has a good uh, system around him and good weapons. Well, you
1: mentioned the Eagles and Carson Wentz, so I guess that segues us over to some NFL news that happened with the Eagles firing Doug Peterson after five seasons. He was the coach that led them to the Super Bowl win over the Patriots back in 2017. Now, the relationship between Peterson, his head coach, and his quarterback, Carson Wentz, and the players uh, was said to have kind of diminished depending on who you ask. Um, He's a guy who is controversial in a lot of ways as in you know he his play calling has been criticized but overall Mm. a lot of people think that the the issues in Philadelphia fall on Wentz and they fall on the general manager Howie Roseman so
0: George what is your thoughts on Doug Peterson getting fired by the Eagles? I'm glad he did it was about time I think after that uh Super Bowl win in 2017 like you mentioned everything just went downhill from there even with Carson Wentz as well And I think that it goes above uh, Doug Peterson though. I think it's going to have to fall on the GM, Howie Roseman, who honestly shouldn't be in that position right now. He's not the best GM uh, in the NFL. And I think that there's better opportunities for other GMs to fill in and make a better team than what he did with the Eagles. And you can't really blame just Carson Wentz or Doug Peterson. So that's why I'm kind of Putting it on the GM a little bit, but I think this was a little bit overdue. Uh, You definitely could have done it um, before the season started or even uh, throughout the season, like we saw with a few other coaches around the NFL getting fired midway through. But I mean, just look at the last game. They completely blew the game, and that kind of fell on Doug Peterson to bench uh, Jalen Hurts. And then that was kind of just like, was really bad there. And I thought that. Uh, Peterson isn't the best head coach for that job uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles, maybe somewhere else, um, who because there? there's a lot of teams looking for a head coach right now, but I don't think he'll have a job by the start of the next season.
1: Yeah, one of the spots rumored for Peterson was the New York Jets, but I, I think I have, a, I have a tough time seeing the Jets hire a guy who struggled to develop a quarterback throughout the last few seasons in Carson Wentz. He didn't really get Wentz to where they wanted him. So are you going to bring in a guy who – had some issues with the quarterback, where he came from, um, and bring him try to work with Sam Darnold or whoever you draft. I don't know if I see that um, likely. But Peterson should land a job within the next two years, I think, because of that Super Bowl that he won. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of coaches are still chasing that. But this weekend was Wild Card weekend as we saw teams try to push towards their Super Bowl hopes. Uh, let's start off first with the first game of the weekend, which was the Colts and the Bills. I thought Phillip Rivers was going to have a poor game, but – Rivers came out and helped his team compete. He missed some throws, but overall, it was a competitive game, and the 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 Colts' play calling may have been what cost them.
0: Yeah, I thought really overall this game was back and forth, really fun to watch. And the Colts were a team throughout the season we talked about as a team that really is an underdog, and they can come out of nowhere and really surprise a lot of people and teams on how well they can play. I mean, Philip Rivers, his uh, history in the playoffs is not the best. And I can see why, Austin, you chose that as your bold take because it was a good one because Philip Rivers isn't the best in the playoffs, and that's statistically proven. And we just kind of watch it with our own eyes, and that's what we've seen. But I thought, you know, the running game for the Colts was really good. They developed a lot of great plays off of that and great positioning. But I think, like you said, it was a lot of the play calling. And that's what affected them long-term. And for the Bills, this is really going to kind of haunt them a little bit because they almost lost to the Colts. And how are they going to do against the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson uh, this week?
1: Yeah, like you said, the Bills are a team that – you know, they had a good regular season. They struggled a little bit last week. But overall, they, they're an offense that can score a lot of points. And I think the Ravens' defense did a really, really good job in their win against the Titans. I mean, they held Derrick Henry to under 50 yards rushing. They contained him to 10 carries for 18 yards rushing uh, the beginning stages of that game. And that's the Titans' strong suit. So if you can find the best player on the other team and shut him down to have him have minimal impact, I mean, you're going to win a game, especially in the playoffs. Now, they did get bailed out. Uh, Lamar Jackson, 52 yards scrambled that some teams aren't going to allow. Like that won't happen against the Patriots. Um, That won't Mm -hmm. happen against teams that are, you know, veteran coach defense. Now Vrabel's a good coach, but something like that just happens. I think your team needs to be prepared a little bit better for the possibility of Lamar Jackson improvising. I think the Bills will be better prepared because Josh Allen can do a little bit of that too. He can scramble. He can kind of get through the trenches and make something happen with his legs. So, That should be a closer game. But, yeah, the Ravens looked good, I thought. And then the game to cap off that night was the Washington football team versus the Tom Brady-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which ended up being a somewhat close game. Taylor Heineke kept them in play. And, George, since then I've been seeing a lot of rumors about Taylor Heineke. Well, not rumors, but I would say uh, Patriots fans Mm -hmm. looking Mm -hmm. to have Taylor Heineke be the next quarterback. Um, I don't know about starter, but maybe he'll be a backup here one day.
0: Yeah, and the funny thing is, is Heineke was on the practice squad for the Patriots and then ended up cutting him. And that kind of, looking back at it, was that the best decision for the Patriots? Probably, because you have Cam Newton right now, Jared Stidham. So, I mean, really, the, if they're sticking with those two guys for right now, you don't really need Heineke, but he had a really good game. And it was really fun to watch him make a lot of these plays, especially... Up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because we've been raving about their defense all season long, how they're a great defensive team on top of their star, you know, powered offense. But I think that the football team they put up a good fight. And you know, one of the things I noticed throughout the game was that there's a few calls that really went towards Brady's way. And you know, as a Patriots fan for so long, Austin, and you can agree with me on this is like we've been blinded by how Brady on a few plays might've gotten bailed out here and there. And now kind of watching them like, oh, wow, maybe people were right on a few instances that, you know, the Patriots here and there, you know, had it in their favor. So it was kind of interesting to watch Brady play for another team uh, in the playoffs, especially, but next week's game, I think against the saints is going to be really fun because, you know, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, a third time seeing each other in the play, um, you know, during the season, And I think it'll be fun because the saints played, you know, really well, I thought so against the uh, bears.
1: Yeah. The saints are a team that's really interesting in this playoff race because they have one of the most dynamic running backs in the NFL and Alvin Kamara. He's a guy who can score on the receiving side of it or rushing the football as well. Um, in terms of drew Brees, though, is he at the point in his career, this is probably his last, um, season, probably his last few games coming up. Um, but is he at the point where he can win you a playoff game? I'm not really convinced that Drew Brees is a guy who can come in and throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns to get you a win. Now, um, next week should be an interesting matchup between the Bucks and the Saints, George. But I, I think Tom Brady can pull that one out. I just can't see Brady losing to the
0: same team three times in one season. Yeah, I don't think that will happen either because playoff Tom Brady and a regular season Tom Brady are two different quarterbacks. Uh, we've seen it for the last 20 years and we're seeing it now with a different team, but it's still the same mentality that he has. And I think what's so interesting about uh, this game against uh, the Saints for Brady is that the how diverse the Saints are at the QB position. Uh, Drew Brees, who, you know, is a is an older style quarterback stays in the pocket doesn't scramble as much and then you have someone like Taysom hill who can do pretty much everything so the bucks are going to be on their toes on defense when Taysom hill is just thrown into the game at quarterback because who knows what he's going to do next you can either run the ball throw the ball or even catch it and you know that's something we haven't seen in a quarterback in a long time is what Taysom hill is doing right now for the saints
1: Yeah, and interestingly enough, when Taysom Hill goes in the game, usually good things happen. Usually it's a run um, that he can gain a few yards in, a a completion, a trick play. But he had a really rough game against the Bears. He threw that interception that his arm got hit on. He had a catch for a couple yards and scraped up his knees. And it wasn't wasn't a great performance. And one more thing about that Saints-Bears game, George, did you see any part of the Nickelodeon
0: broadcast at all for that game? Yes, I did. I th- Honestly, I think I watched that more than I did the CBS just because it was so funny to watch because they're explaining football to you like you're an eight year old kid. And I think they did. a They explained what a catch was better than most commentators would they're like you got to actually have, you know, you have to hold the ball and you got to, you know, turn your body and have two feet in the ground uh, in order for that to be a catch. And I was like, yeah, this is a lot better than some NFL rules I've seen.
1: I enjoyed it for a while, but then when they started explaining every aspect of the game where, you know, it, it was just kind of getting old after a little bit, but I thought it was unique. It's a good, uh, I thought it was a good thing. I thought kids liked it from what I saw on Twitter. Um, I think baseball should try something like that rather than, um, you know, the, the no marketing that they do it might help draw some younger audiences in. But on the other half of wildcard weekend on Sunday, we had some, uh, a couple more games that were uh, competitive later in the day as well. Um, overall, I thought the weekend was pretty exciting. Um, the Seahawks and Rams game was surprising to many. Um, I think because partially you didn't expect really the Rams to win that game. You expected the Seahawks to win because the Rams were starting John Wolford, who then got injured and taken to a hospital, um, and then replaced by Jared Goff, who just had thumb surgery.
0: So now you have the Rams moving on. Is there any chance the Rams go any further? Not at all. And if they do, it's going to be the defense carrying them. And that's what we saw against uh, the Seattle Seahawks was the Rams defense really stepped up in big moments when they needed to make plays the most. uh, The defense was there, which really allowed the offense to not be on the field as much and kind of get some rest because, you know, they get interceptions or, you know, scoring drives, uh, you know, through defensive plays. And I thought that the Rams defense was the best out of um, all aspects for uh, the Los Angeles Rams. And for the Seattle Seahawks, though, Russell Wilson didn't play as well as I thought he would have. You know, going into this game, the uh, Seattle Seahawks were 10-0 at home. And now, you know, they lost the game. And it kind of goes to show, though, that 12th man in Seattle is a huge impact uh, throughout, you know, their home games. And I was a little... But, again, I was very disappointed with Russell Wilson and his performance. Um, You know, a screen pass and then that ended up being an interception and you know that you don't see that too often so i just thought russell wilson wasn't in his mindset, mindset that he usually is
1: yeah and when you have dk metcalf tyler lockett russell wilson and chris carson on one offense you'd you'd think he score some points you know mm-hmm. and they just came out flat in that game lost 30 to 20 their defense has been a problem yes but You can't be throwing pick sixes in the playoff game, which was a big issue. But I think the game of the week, the game everyone's talking about, was the Sunday night game between the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers, George. And you were right. You picked the Browns to win that game was your bold take, and the Browns came through for you. And honestly, I was really impressed
0: with what I saw from the Cleveland Browns. I mean, I was so happy. I still am. Just because, like, the Steelers team – isn't you know the they were 11 and four heading into the game or um or what are they 12 and four heading into the um this game and you know one of the worst like 12 and four teams i think i've ever seen was um the steelers team and the cleveland browns barely practiced all week didn't have a head coach you know they're pretty much their backs were against the wall this entire game just because they weren't prepared against the steelers team and they came up out of nowhere and baker mayfield had three touchdowns and then kareem hunt had two and i thought that baker mayfield proved to a lot of people that you know he is legit you know this is a playoff game um he hasn't been in the nfl playoffs before and he really showed and shined um against the steelers and for ben roethlisberger He, I mean, even though he had he threw sixty-eight passes, which is insane. I we talked about this with uh, Justin Herbert, I believe, with how many passes he throws, and you know, these were crunch time. This is kind of like the when you're trailing, you got to throw that much. But still, he had five hundred yards, four touchdowns, and four interceptions, which really isn't bad. But it's those four interceptions that really costed the Steelers that game.
1: Yeah, and I well we gotta talk about how it started the week with Juju Smith Schuster in the press conference mm-hmm. kinda saying the Browns are the Browns or the Browns will be the Browns and you know, yeah. that's just not what you do before a playoff game. That gives the Browns material to put on the whiteboard in the locker room and say, Listen, nobody believes in us, and they come out and they absolutely enroll you twenty eight nothing to start the game. Um you can't do that. Juju and then Chase Claypool mm-hmm. after the loss is on his Instagram saying that, you know, it's all right or but I forget what exactly the wording was, but it was, it was along on TikTok. Of, yeah, it was on TikTok. It, it, and it was. It was on the lines of kind of along the lines of it's all right, um, you know they're gonna get beat next week, which is like so you're okay with losing if the team that beat you loses <laughs> next week. Really isn't the attitude you should have, um, but yeah, Cleveland, I think they played well. There's some issues, you know, defensively they allowed the Steelers back in the game, but you you have to expect in a playoff game a team's gonna fight, and like the Steelers didn't try to come back. Um, but I think with Kevin Stefanski possibly returning for their next game against the Chiefs, it brings the Browns a little closer, but I don't know if I can see the Browns beating Kansas City.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you there. It's Kansas City, you know, reigning Super Bowl champs, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. I mean, those guys, I don't know how the Browns are really going to be able to guard all three of them at this high level that they're playing. I mean, yes, the Browns are going to have that momentum, so I think they're going to make it a really good game. Um, and I st- I'm still on the uh, Baker Mayfield like wagon here. I think he's going to have a good game, and they're going to make it close. I think they're going to make it enjoyable to watch.
1: ah. I don't see the thing is with Cleveland and their running backs with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, that duo is the best in the league, pretty much. Mm-hmm. If they can come into this and realize what they have, like you can't get too cute with it. Basically, you can't come in right. and try to make Baker Mayfield beat the other team. If they stick to their game plan and have the two running backs and just kind of ground and pound and try to wear out the Chiefs, if you can keep the ball off of, if you can keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands, which means just running the ball, chewing clock, and then having long drives. The Browns have a great shot to win this game if they can do that. Now, are they going to do that? Is Baker Mayfield going to pick up those first downs on third and three? I don't know. Um, but I think it will be a more interesting and a closer game um, than a lot of people think. But um, we can go into our predictions for next weekend, George, um, while we finish up our NFL talk here. So the first yeah. game is at 435 on Saturday, which is the Rams at the Packers. I'm going to pick the Packers. I don't we don't have to do scores but I think they're going to beat them by uh, a good margin.
0: <laughs> yeah. I agree. Uh Packers by a lot against the Rams. I mean the the defense is go- the Rams defense is going to give them a little bit of a problem I think. A lot of pressure on Aaron Rodgers, I believe um pocket collapsing a lot I think. But regardless it's Aaron Rodgers in his MVP season I believe. So I mean nothing really can stop the Green Bay Packers when they're on a roll. I would agree with that.
1: Their offense is dynamic. Rodgers, Devontae Adams. The only interesting part is Jalen Ramsey will be matched up against Devontae Adams. So there's a chance that Rodgers has to rely on his other guys. But overall, I just can't see an injured Jared Goff going into Lambeau Field with potential snow and beating the Packers. Now, the second game on Saturday is the Ravens at the Bills. This is a close game. I think Hmm. I'm going to pick the upset. I'm going to pick the Baltimore Ravens to beat the Bills in this game. Uh, I think – I'm going to pick – I'll tell you why, I guess. I'm going to pick the Ravens because I think Josh Allen's going to struggle. It's going to be cold. There could be some mm. snow in Buffalo. And I think Lamar Jackson in the offense showed last week that they can do enough to win. And if that Ravens defense can hold Derrick Henry, the 2,000-yard rusher, to what they did to him, I think they can hold Josh Allen. And the Bills don't have a run game, so that allows the Ravens defense to focus on defending the pass. They have Marlon Humphrey healthy one of the best cornerbacks in the league. So I'm going to pick the Ravens over the Bills.
0: Yeah, I can see that because they're going to be if it is this cold out um in playoff weather in Buffalo, they're going to have to rely on the run game. And uh, I believe Zach Moss uh, for the Bills, their running back, I believe he's hurt um if I saw that correctly and right, so that right. might so that so that might affect uh their run game and their produ- productivity. But I, I'm still picking with the Bills because, you know, they're my they're in the Super Bowl for me. Um, so I'm going to have the Bills winning that game on Saturday night. That'll be a close one for
1: sure. And then on Sunday at 3 o'clock, the Browns and the Chiefs. Now, I, I don't know if you're going to double down on your bold predictions here and go Browns again. But I have to. I got to go Chiefs. I think I said it. I think it'll be a close game. I'm not counting the Browns out. I just think uh, they're going to have to try to keep Mahomes off the field. We've seen it before with teams playing mm-hmm. Tom Brady. We've seen them try to run the ball, keep Brady off the field. Now Mahomes is the new he's a new this generation's best quarterback, right? I don't I'm avoiding saying a new Tom Brady. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's this generation quarterback. So you gotta keep him off the field. Uh so I'm gonna go Chiefs, but I think it will be a close game. I think it will be within a touchdown.
0: You know, I'm gonna full send it. I'm full sending it this week. I'm going Browns times two with the upset. Um I think Baker Mayfield is gonna have a good 303 touchdown game. Wow! Um, yeah, I'm going all in. You know, I guy, I, I have to here. Uh, I have all my faith in Baker Mayfield for this week. So, Browns upsetting the Chiefs. And so that's your bold take too? Is yeah, the Browns
1: upsetting you. the Chiefs and Baker just has another day? Huh?
0: <laughs> I believe in them. All right. I, so I don't know why.
1: They have the wide. They do. They have the motivation and I think if they can get Stefanski back, they have the game plan that can make it close. Like I said, I'm not counting them out. But the uh the final game of the week is the Buccaneers Saints on Sunday night at 6 30. Uh I'm gonna go Buccaneers. Like I said, I just I don't think I don't I don't think that Tom Brady can lose three times to, you know, to the Saints in a season. I just don't see
0: it. So I gotta go Buccaneers in this game. And the Bucs are the underdogs too, which is, you know, kinda insane to think about. I think it's because like the NFC East, their division there really messed everything up. I mean, even with the better record, uh, the Bucks are like a sixth seed. Um, so I'm, I'm still sticking with Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think this will be Drew Brees' last game, but at least it's against Tom Brady. I mean, I guess, you know, go out, go out against the greatest. Um, and, you know, Tom Brady's going to have a phenomenal game. This is his kind of time to shine. Um, And this is up against a quarterback who people debate, you know, who is next to him or who's above him, Drew Brees. It's always, you know, Drew Brees, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, you know. And right now, I think Tom Brady kind of has that, you know, in his mind that he's going to go out here and prove to everybody that he is the greatest. So might as well go beat one of the other greats.
1: Yeah, I agree. Brady's a guy who, you know, he, he seems to get better in the second half of a season. I think he has the team around him this year that can help him win uh, or get further into the playoffs. Um, so you have your bold prediction of the, you know, the Browns win Baker mm-hmm. having a good day. Yeah. It's a tough one for me this week because last week I thought Rivers was going to have a horrible game. <laughs> he not, uh, well, he, didn't have, he didn't have a horrible game. He didn't have the best game of his career. Um, so this week, I guess I'll go with uh, the. It's a tough one. I'll go with the Baltimore Ravens. I like okay. I like J.K. Dobbins a lot. He's a rookie running back. I think he'll have at least 100 yards rushing and two touchdowns in the win against the Bills, which yeah, is J.K. Dobbins. into a playoff game. Mm-hmm. He's a rookie. Um, two touchdowns and 100 yards is a lot to ask for.
0: Yeah, and for the Ravens too, it was a lot for Lamar Jackson right here, trying to prove that he's a quarterback that can win in the playoffs. And I think that's kind of on his shoulders, and he's just going to let it all out on the field. So I can see that happening, especially if they're going to rely on their run game. Well, it should be a close
1: weekend this weekend. A lot of these games are uh, are you know, better on paper than they were
0: last weekend, mm-hmm. George. Anything else with the NFL before we move on to the NBA? I just want to see some more games on Nickelodeon. That was so much fun to watch with like all the cool special effects, the slime and the touchdown. I just wish it wasn't the Bears Saints game because I mean, you could have put it on for the uh, Brown Steelers and you would have had so much slime in the end zone and stuff like that. But I thought that was a really cool concept and they should uh, continue to do that because I believe they had like 30 million viewers for that game with like CBS and Nickelodeon combined. Mm
1: -hmm. That, that's interesting. I think they will do um, some more Nickelodeon games, but it also is interesting that they chose a playoff game to kind of um, try this and launch the whole Nickelodeon mm-hmm. special. But I guess if you're going to do it, you just do it on a big scale. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think it worked out overall. But, um, you know, one league that definitely will not be on Nickelodeon this year is the NBA. Uh, so far, <laughs> you know, the Celtics, for example, aren't on any TV tonight, as their game against the Bulls mm-hmm. uh, was postponed again due to COVID. The Celtics didn't play Sunday against the Heat. I didn't play today against the Bulls. Their game against the Magic also got canceled, which was scheduled for tomorrow. So there's mm-hmm. got to be, you know, that we know there's an outbreak. We know that at least seven Celtics or six Celtics had it, including Jason Tatum. Um, but the game's getting canceled means that they don't have eight available players. So you got to think now an a Celtic is high risk or has COVID. Um, does the NBA stop the season? Do they go to a bubble? What's the, what's the plan here?
0: Honestly, I think if they just took a two week um, break that's like the most, that's like the least they could really do uh, right now. I mean, we pushed for the NFL to do this because it was probably the best bet. Um, But for the NBA, uh, they really been cracking down uh, as of today about what, you know, needs to happen in their protocols. Uh, Two weeks, I think, would, you know, kind of like let everybody settle, um, just like a two-week quarantine for everybody in the NBA. But for the Celtics, third straight game, Uh, that will be postponed out of the six uh, that I believe that I've counted this season uh, throughout the NBA. So Celtics have about half of those, which is insane. And hopefully that, you know, with maybe a two week pause, everything can kind of go back to normal and, you know, they're going to have there, there's no high fiving anymore. Only fist bumps and elbows. Um, I believe there's like warm-ups are very restricted, no guests in hotels now. So it was, it's very, um, very tight with restrictions and what they can and can't do. And I think that's the right thing to do as of right now, because, um, you know, with everything going on, you know, in our country with COVID and everything, it's that like the NBA really just kind of needs this. And I think, uh, we need it as well.
1: Yeah. I think the players definitely won't agree to a bubble. Um, that's, you know, it could be 50, 60 games if it were Mm -hmm. happening. soon. um, and I don't also that they've said that the NBA players won't jump the line to get the COVID vaccine, which means they're not going to, you know, because they're celebrities, NBA players right. going to get the vaccine before you and I or whoever is just, you know, not in, you know, tier one or tier two or however it's set up. Um, you know, I I just don't know if it's going to work without them all having the vaccine because as much as you can keep putting regulations there uh, and what happens when, you know, um, say Jalen Brown goes to a restaurant and on the off day and somebody has it and Jalen Brown then has it and, you know, he doesn't know. And then now the team has it again. Cause as much as these guys are going to, you know, keep their masks on, on the bench or stay six feet apart when they're, you know, there, there are interactions in the locker room, I'm sure they're not going to have their mask on. So I think there's going to be more outbreaks coming. We know that the wizards have an issue. The heat Mm -hmm. have an issue. They only have eight available tonight. The Sixers have only eight available for most of their games. The Mavericks have had problems as well. Um, so those, I'm sure there's other teams out there too that have had outbreaks. I know the Bulls had Laurie Marken out with a health and safety protocol issue. Um, so around the league, there's just been a lot of COVID issues to this point. But some of the teams have battled through that and impressed. I mean, the Celtics were 7-3, and three, I believe, before, the, before they got paused.
0: Yeah. And that's really what's going to kill a lot of the momentum because a lot of NBA games, you have back-to-back days of games. You win one and then you're going in uh, the next day uh, with another game. That's really going to carry that momentum. And I think we saw that when we had that three-month hiatus throughout this, um, like from March up until uh, August was that you know, really players, you know, sitting out for a long period of time, no uh, workouts, no practicing, it's really going to affect them a little bit in how they play. Um, and I think that's if the Celtics, once they do come back fully healthy, it's, it's going to take a few games to finally get in that full swing of things, practicing with each other, um, playing like real competitive five on five games. So, you know, these uh, games have been postponed for a lot of these teams, it's really going to affect them especially for a lot of the teams like the sixers and celtics who have really good records right now
1: you know a team that i've also been impressed with uh, is the chicago bulls even though their mm. record doesn't necessarily reflect uh, reflect how well they've played their 4 and 7 they actually they've had a few close games on their west coast trip that they had they lost on sunday to the clippers by 3 points they lost on i believe it was saturday or friday let me just double check on Friday, the Bulls played the Lakers and lost by two points. So to the two playoff teams in the West, probably two of the top five seeds in the West, the Bulls lost by two and by three. So this is a young team that's competing. They didn't have Laurie Markin in either, in either of those games. Otto Porter was hurt as well. So and Thomas Sadoransky, their backup point guard. So three of their key contributors have been injured, but... Kobe White has taken a step forward, averaging Mm -hmm. 17 points, 6 assists, 5 rebounds. And Zach Levine is having a heck of a season, but he's not getting attention for it, averaging 27 points, 4 assists, and 5 rebounds a game. So that Bulls team has been impressive to to me. But, George, your team, the New Orleans Pelicans, have struggled a bit. Um, They've had some ups and downs, but overall, I mean, are you disappointed with the start, the 4-5 and
0: start by the Pelicans? I'm not too disappointed because a lot of these games have been very close. Uh, the Pelicans defensively are one of the best teams, um, you know, defensive rebounding and, uh, points allowed per game. And I think they're playing really, really well. It's just their offense. That's really been struggling. Um, you know, it kind of has to do with having Lonzo ball shooting the ball. And I don't, am not too thrilled with that as much. Um, And even when they played the Charlotte Hornets, their last game before uh, yesterday's game was postponed against the Mavericks was that, uh, you know, Lonzo Ball didn't have the best night. Uh, I was happy J.J. Redick came back. He had a great game coming off the bench. And for the Pelicans, it's these bench players that are really going to make an impact because you can't have Zion and Steven Adams in the game down low or even Eric Bledsoe. You're going to have to have J.J. Redick come in uh, Kyra Lewis uh, and Jackson Hayes as well and that's not that's not the best option for the Pelicans right now is having um, Kyra and Hayes come off for you and I like Nikhil Alexander-Walker I think he's one of the better bench players even JJ Redick but it's just I think it's the bench because they got outscored 19-40 against the Thunder uh, two games ago and then they finally did better against the uh, the Hornets, but they just couldn't hold out in the end. So I think this season is going to be filled with ups and downs for the Pelicans, but I still think they're going to make the playoffs.
1: Yeah, they are a young team overall. They're still learning. I think the veterans, Reddick and Adams, could help them along the way. Um, but it might honestly be beneficial for that team to switch up their lineup a little bit. I know Van Gundy likes to stick to things. He doesn't like to change things up too much mm-hmm. once he gets going, but it might be more beneficial if you have Lonzo come off the bench. I know he's playing 35 minutes a game or you know 30-plus minutes a game, but why not have Lonzo come off and play with the second unit and even start Alexander Walker, even though he only plays 15 minutes a game. Have him start like the Celtics do with Marcus Smart. You might sacrifice a guy in your starting lineup to have a, a guy come off and replace Bledsoe and um, Zion when they come off the floor and you bring Lonzo in, have a spark with the bench unit. And then worse comes to worse. I mean, you can just play him down the stretch in the fourth quarter. It doesn't change your fourth quarter rotation. But it's an interesting start to the year. Jackson Hayes, I thought, was underwhelming so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you probably watch the Pelicans a little more closely. But from what I've seen, he hasn't developed into the big that they would have hoped. Um, but overall, it's been a it's been a fun start to the NBA season because we needed basketball uh, back. Yes. The Knicks, too, another team we talked about, how they're continuing to impress. I think you think the Knicks
0: might be a playoff team. Uh, Top 20 in the NBA. So I mean, they'll probably be right on the outside of the playoffs, I believe. But I think they're playing like complete basketball together, something we haven't seen. And they're certainly, in my opinion, they might not be record wise, but uh, they're the best team in New York right now.
1: Well, the Knicks, oh, the Nets, the Nets, rather, um, they've had some issues lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them, Kevin Durant, out oh, with the COVID protocols. He did return on Sunday, so that's good news for the Nets who play the Nuggets yes, tonight. Yeah. But bad news is Kyrie Irving is being Kyrie Irving again, which means he's deciding he's not showing up to the games because of personal reasons. Um, they were speculating that it was because of the Capitol riots that happened last week, um, which could be the case. But also, part of the problem is is. Uh, he was spotted this weekend at a family gathering, a birthday party without a mask on. So he was just fined some money uh, based on the games he misses or something or sits out. Um, so Kyrie Irving again, causing problems uh, in only a second year with the Nets.
0: And this is the sad thing is like yesterday or a few days ago, I tweeted out, I was like, I hope Kyrie Irving's good. Uh, I know he like has like some mental, like I know he's like, ha- really has a lot of problems like that. And, uh, I was just, like hoping he's okay. And then I see today is that, you know, he's spotted at a, in a club at his sister's party. Um, and I was like, Oh, so this is what, you know, I vouch for you, Kyrie. And this is how you're going to do me dirty like this. But I was like really upset by it because, you know, he said he was going off the grid. He doesn't talk to anybody. Nobody knows what was going on with Kyrie Irving. Nobody on the nets knew. And, Maybe a few players, but they he told him probably to keep it under the carpet. And I thought Kyrie didn't handle the situation really good because you know, not just like skipping out, no like real concrete reason to why it's just very Kyrie's a very kind of like sp- spiritual person, I guess you can p- put it that way, I guess, but he's really out there when he comes to like that you know he even said the world's flat so honestly I don't even know what to say about Kyrie at this point I really like him he's probably one of the best point guards in the NBA right now when he's playing actually but when he's out partying and clubbing he's he's dumb
1: well we'll see how the Kyrie situation develops I guess throughout Mm -hmm. the season because it's still believe it or not only you know two or three weeks into the season overall I think this is technically week four but some teams have only played like eight games so far. So uh, otherwise, has there any been any surprises or shockers for you this year, George? I know there's been some injuries. John Morant going to miss some time. We talked about that a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Um, Thomas Bryant, the wizard star center um, out for the season with an ACL injury. Spencer Dinwiddie out with an ACL injury. Um, any surprises or shocks to you so far to start the season?
0: I love LaMelo ball. I just, he's probably one of the, he's the best ball brother out of all of them. Um, but, I've, I really enjoyed watching him play youngest player to have a triple double. I mean, he almost got it against the Pelicans, but you know, their coach pulled him in the fourth quarter when he was like one rebound shy of one. But I think it's been so much fun to watch him play. And he doesn't, he should be a starter in my opinion, maybe give it a few games, but he's just been really enjoyable to watch. He's when he can get into the lane and he can take you one-on-one there it's, it's an automatic bucket for him because he's going to take it to the rack a very strong way too. He's just going to put like two dribbles, head down, and he's just going to go up for a layup. Or he's just going to go some up and under, some something crazy and acrobatic. I mean, this kid is phenomenal. I mean, we've watched him since high school when he was in Australia. And even now, it's just every time we've seen him play in the last like, I don't know, five, four or five years, it's just been phenomenal and he's improved every single year.
1: Yeah, he surprised me a little bit. His, his shooting is coming together. He has some mm-hmm. inconsistent nights, but he's overall becoming a better shooter every game, which is good. I think he actually will be a very good NBA player. Now that we're finally getting to see him play and compete every night, he can obviously pass, he can uh, rebound, um, and the shooting's going to come. That's the thing. is It's going to continue to develop, which is good, um, but hopefully he can kind of be a little bit better than his older brothers who um, you know, Leangelo not on the team, but Lonzo has been a solid rotational player, mm-hmm. but I think, you know, the Hornets are hoping Lamelo is more than a rotational player for them for a long time, which is, you know, when he's off to the start at just 19 years old, you think that that's definitely possible. Um, and one other thing I want to mention too, on that Hornets team is Gordon Hayward off to a really good start with them. I have really mixed mm-hmm. feelings about Hayward. Um, He had 34 points again last night, averaging 22.5 points for assists and 5.2 rebounds. I think Hayward is a great player on poor teams. You put him on a good team with good players around him. He's not, he just didn't, like, he didn't play good. Where was this last year? Exactly. I don't understand. He had the shots. I watched Mm -hmm. him just clank a bunch of shots, not be explosive. All of a sudden you put him on a small market team with bad players and the guy's an all-star again. So I'm not it's, it's weird. Fault the Celtics I'm not gonna fault Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown because you look at it now and guys like Peyton Pritchard are contributing, Rob Williams taking a step forward. so they they didn't hold back Hayward, I don't think. I just I think he's a, a really good top dog on poor teams, basically.
0: Yeah, he's he's been playing really good, which is weird because we, we don't we haven't seen this when he was in Boston. Um, when he was with the Utah Jazz, he played really well. And that's the reason why the Celtics gave him so much money. But, you know, I, I think I criticized him for getting a lot of money and Michael Jordan as well. But still, I think it's a lot. But at the same time, I, I do believe that he deserves some of it because he has been playing really well. I'm just hoping it's not a fluke and this is kind of like going to stick because he's a great player. Um, and like you said, he's, he's good on bad teams, kind of like the Utah Jazz years ago when he was first on that team. And speaking of players um, playing bad, Pasco Siakam, I mean, the Raptors are two and seven. This is the team last year that the Celtics took to seven games, and we are now watching them lose pretty much every single game except for two.
1: It, it really shows you how important Serge Ibaka was to that team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Marcus was there last year too, but... This all didn't have as much of a role. He was kind of older, and you can see that with the Lakers this year. But Ibaka was the glue that held the team together. Now Siakam is forced to play um, interior defense sometimes, and he's showing he can. And then in terms of offense, you have Kyle Lowry is getting older. He had one point against the Warriors heading into the fourth quarter of the other night before he exploded for 16 in the fourth. He's not consistent. Um, Fred Van Vliet's really good, I think. I think he's very talented. But they're lacking. I mean, Chris Boucher's young. They're center. He doesn't really – I don't know if he understands defense uh, as much as Ibaka did. But, yeah, they're 2-7. and I don't know if anybody would have said that the Raptors would be 2-7 and to start the year. And Siakam's just having poor games. He's having arguments with his coach. And Mm -hmm. he's just really been detrimental to the team.
0: Yeah, honestly, I never was on that Siakam train because I – I think he did good um, a few times. I think he really stood out in the uh, finals for me. And then after that, I think I just had a feeling he's just going to be like a one-year one, one year guy where we just kind of saw one good year, and then after that, it was just nothing. So as long as Siakam can prove something, I mean, he did have 25 points in a, lo- in a loss of the Warriors, uh, but still, he's he missed two game winners. In the last two games, I mean, if you if you didn't see him, all he did was pretty much one time what he do a spin move, missed, and then the other time he like pulled up, and then uh, I I believe uh, Draymond was watching the ball go up in the air, and he just knew it was over because he put his hands up as like once they won. So I mean, it's just Siakam. He's I don't know. He's not the best player on this Raptors team. I'm I'm gonna give it to. Fred Van Vliet or Kyle Lowry is one of the better players on the Raptors team because Siakam isn't really proving that right now.
1: Yeah, the Raptors need to turn it around quick. I I don't think – I mean, the problem's not the coaching. Nick Nurse won you a championship. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's just a lack of depth and lack of um, defense that that team has. You had a team – they allowed 74 points in the first half against the Sacramento Kings the other night. And then ended up winning the game, which shows you how good their offense is, but also how poor your defense is to allow 74 points and a half. Um, but that's something you can improve with the right players, I think, and over time. So I wouldn't panic on the Raptors. I just think Siakam's clearly shown where he, he's not a superstar, he's not a number one, where guys mm-hmm. like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown have taken a step forward this year and shown that. So that's been the biggest takeaway, I think, in, in comparison to that Raptors team. Um but one more thing too is the Lakers at eight and three this year have been off to a pretty solid start. And what what's insane to me is LeBron James in what his eighteenth year or seventeenth season is averaging yeah. twenty four seven and eight. I mean, how can anybody possibly play that long and still average that in those insane numbers? I mean, he has to be. I mean, I'm not gonna say he's better than Michael Jordan, but if he can get another championship, I think he will be.
0: Interesting. I mean, he must have taken some of that TB12 method. I mean, this dude, him and Tom Brady are beating Father Time in sports. I mean, basketball and football, yeah, they're two different sports, but I think basketball requires a lot more physicality, and you have to really be conditioned well, especially at, you know, LeBron's age. Is he 38, 37, somewhere around there? And he's still putting up great numbers, playing 30 minutes a game. I mean, they're playing – who are they playing tonight? They play the, um, oh, the the Rockets. Yeah, they play the Rockets again. And I think, you know, watching LeBron play, you're, you're just kind of watching and You're like, wow, you know, this is, we're witnessing greatness right in front of us. I mean, this is what probably our parents felt awesome when they're watching Michael Jordan and, you know, so on and so forth. You can keep going back. But, I mean, just watching LeBron James play is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I love watching him play. Do I think he's better than Jordan? No. If he wins another championship, no, probably not. I, I still am sticking with Michael Jordan, but he's he's my number two for sure.
1: Yeah, it's definitely impressive for somebody to be, you know, that good for that long. I don't. You'll never see. I don't think again. Um, I mean, with LeBron coming out of high school as well, you got to realize that mm. been, he didn't have to go to college and put in a couple years, but those seasons were seasons where he played 70 games a year in the and in the NBA. So um, LeBron's a guy who's been doing it for a while. He'll probably continue to and get those Lakers into the playoffs. But um, before we wrap things up here in mid on Midnight Mania sports, I think we should go over MLB talk for a minute. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, it's slow just like baseball games. The MLB off season uh, just kind of moves along at 20 miles an hour. Um, And, I guess we had some news today or last night, really, and they announced it at like midnight. The White Sox signed closer Liam Hendricks to a three-year deal worth the $54 million. Hendricks is a guy who is 31 years old, right? He's been the best reliever in baseball over the last two years. Statistically, he had a, a 1.78 ERA um, in 2020, and he had a really dominant year the year before. But I, it's $54 million over three years, right? I mean, that's just, to me, a lot of money. To shell out to a closer now, no offense to Liam Hendricks, but he's not exactly twenty-seven years old either, and, he's, and he, I just, I just can't see them giving that much money to a closer. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is—he's going to help them lock down the bullpen this year for the White Sox. But in the future, I, I can't see him being worth, you know, eighteen million or seventeen million, whatever it is a year, for th- those three years.
0: I think I really like the White Sox. I think this addition of Hendricks is really going to help them out a little bit, especially as a reliever because, you know, relievers in baseball can be very important in these um, closed game situations, uh, ninth inning, eighth inning, kind of closed games. And that's when you, I think Hendricks shines the best is when it's in those crunch time scenarios and the White Sox, I like them. I thought they're going to be a good team last year, um, but and I still believe that they're going to be a good team again this year. I think if, as long as they keep having off season additions, kind of like you know like someone like Hendricks to that caliber that can really put them over the edge um White Sox can can make a dent I believe and I think they can go long term I don't think they'll make it to the World Series but I think you know if I had to put like some sleeper teams my Mets are the not my Mets I don't like the Mets but I I think that the Mets are one of those teams and the White Sox are up there as well some sleeper teams for uh, for next season
1: yeah, the White Sox are only going to get better, too, which is is the big part of that. They have Lewis Robert, one of the high, most highly touted prospects, now guy who gets to play half a season, so I guess rookies kind of. Um, He wasn't he was running for rookie of the year, but a guy who has five-tool potential. People, you know, immediately as you see a guy who can hit homers, play defense and steal bases, the Mike Trout comparisons show up, but he is a guy who has pop and speed, so he's a guy who can help the White Sox really um, – fight for the playoffs like they did last year and honestly probably make it to the uh, ALCS. So I like the White Sox a lot. I like the Mets a lot too. They're doing a lot of good things, but it's going to come down to that pitching staff, staying healthy. The Phillies are kind of sitting quiet a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, haven't done much besides the addition of Jose Alvarado. Um, they're looking at Andrew Benintendi, which I thought was interesting. Uh, they're looking at a swap with the Red Sox. that might include, uh, former 2016 number one overall pick Mickey Moniak, who hasn't developed into the number one pick they would have hoped for. Um, but Andrew Benintendi on the market by the Red Sox is interesting because he's a guy who was thought to be close to untradeable about two and a half seasons ago.
0: Yeah, I think that's a big deal. I know I saw you say something about that on your Twitter. I forgot who it was too, but about Benintendi. And I I really liked him as a player. He's made some great plays. I remember... Um, I think it was a few years ago against the, uh, the Astros when he made that great diving catch, uh, that he, and he's just a great player. And I think if the Phillies do end up getting him, that it'll certainly kind of help out immensely. I mean, you have somebody alongside Bryce Harper like that, um, that'll certainly help the Phillies in the national league. And maybe Austin, you can finally talk about your world series pennant one day.
1: See, they won a World Series in 2008, but I don't remember it. But the thing (laughs) is, I can't look at the roster the way it is now and say, yeah, they're going to win the World Series because they're not. They don't even have JT Realmuto; He's still a free agent. George Springer is still a free agent. So uh, we will definitely keep you updated on if anything happens besides Closer signing um, in the MLB (laughs) offseason here on Midnight Mania Sports. George, any closing
0: remarks for this week's episode? Closing remarks? Um. If I I don't know, I just go Browns, man. I I, I tweeted out. I go, if the Browns beat the Chiefs, I will buy a Baker Mayfield jersey. So honestly, I will you know hold myself accountable to it. And I hope they do, but I don't want a Baker Mayfield jersey anyway. So
1: well, George is gonna be rocking the Cleveland Brown and Orange around campus, <laughs> it seems, next semester. Um well I'm not going to say the Browns are going to win, like I said, but I think it's going to be a big week for the Ravens and rookie J.K. Dobbins. So uh, if you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, at Midmania Sports. We're also on all the places you can find your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. So please subscribe, help us out. Uh, Thank you for watching, and we'll see you next week on Midnight Mania Sports. Have a great night.